whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends. Karen Pennington here. And I am thinking today about authenticity, uh, particularly stuff, like some stuff in the society. There's a lot of cheap imitations, you know. Sometimes there's not so cheap imitations. Sometimes people perfect, purposely don't want the real thing uh, because they think it's cruel or we're running out of resources or something like that. So I'm going to say a couple things. And I just want you to think, you can even put your hand up or down to figure out, is this something where it's important that it's authentic to me? It's important that it's the real thing? Or maybe you really don't want the real thing. So I'll tell you, tell you a few things. Butter. Butter. Who needs real butter? Some people don't like real butter because it's hard to spread on bread. I'm a, I'm a butter fiend. I like, I like butter. I want the real thing. I don't want that greasy stuff. I could tell you horror stories about some of that imitation. Okay, so jewelry. When you're wearing jewelry around... Is it important that you're wearing real diamonds? Is it important that your necklace is pure gold, sterling silver, all right? Uh, when you buy that ring for that special someone, gentlemen, uh, is it important that it's a diamond? Ladies, take stock here. Uh, okay. What about mashed potatoes? I'm a realist there. I used to not care. But who likes instant? Uh, cheese? Ugh. My, uh, I've... I have bad memories of fake cheese. My husband doesn't want any cheese. He doesn't want it to taste like it or not. What about meat? What about hamburgers? They have to really be beef. Or do some, I like veggie burgers. Uh, leather. Is authentic good or is authentic cruel? What about silk? Sugar. Sugar. I can't eat as much sugar as I like, so I go fake on that one, I'll be honest. But then, what about friends? What about people? Do you want them to be the real deal? What about your pastor? Your Sunday school teacher, or your any teacher? Do you want people to really know? Hey, I got another one, surgeon. Do you want a real surgeon to cut you open, or do you want one who plays one on TV, you know? Just some things to think about. So there are some things that on the surface it really doesn't matter whether it's real or fake. You know, sometimes the real deal is hard. But when we're talking about people, we pretty much always want the real deal. We want to know what we're getting. We, I, I mean, I, I want a doctor who knows what they're doing, you know. I want teachers teaching my children who know what they're doing. I want a pastor who has an authentic walk with Christ. Um, we just want people who are who they say they are, right? Um, and particularly in church, we do ourselves a lot of damage because we represent Christ not so well. We represent ourselves not so well. We get confused what the gospel's around really about. It can go one way or the other. It can be we do too much and then we put it it's about what we're doing. It can be that we do too little and we could care less because 
there's no heart in it. It's about what we can get. It could be any mixture of that, but whatever it is, when it's not focusing on Christ, it gets authentic. We need the real deal. We need to see Christ in each other. And that doesn't mean that we don't make, up, make mistakes, but there are some defining characteristics of it. So I want to talk a little bit about um, John, not John the Baptist, John the disciple. Uh, he wrote five books of the Bible. John was part of Jesus' inner circle. He referred to himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved. Maybe a little arrogance there, but maybe it was just him being truthful, not look at how great I am, but God loved me. I had a good relationship with him. I would, you know, refer to myself as the woman who Ben loved, and he better love me because we've been married almost 20 years. So sometimes that's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a badge of grace more than, more than a badge of pride. And he was the one who, from the cross, Jesus told him to take care of his mom. He said, woman, this is your son, son, this is, uh, is your mother. And uh, one of the pillars of the church, one of Christ's inner three circle, Peter, James, and John, um, a son of thunder, so he definitely knew spirit. They called him sons of thunder. And uh, by Christian history standards, he was thought to be one of the leaders in the church of Asia Minor, which is why... It makes sense that in the book of Revelation, I don't know if you know this, but the book of Revelation is actually, first and foremost, a letter to the seven to seven of the churches in Asia Minor. Um, he talks directly to them individually for a while, but then he's basically saying, it's all about purity. So um, John wrote the book of John, the apostle, I mean, the, I can talk, the gospel of John. John wrote John 1, 2, and 3 which were all letters. One was an open letter, two were specific letters to specific people, and then he wrote Revelation, which was a letter to seven churches. So, here's John 101. If you want to know John, basically you need five words. Five words explain pretty much everything that John wrote. Um, truth, light, life, I'm going to miss one now. I got it. Uh, truth, light, love, how can I forget love, life, and Jesus. Jesus being the center for everything else. Everything you read throughout these verses, they, they, they intermingle with each other. He talks about it. The book of John establishes Christ as the one true God and the source of anything that's truth. He establishes Jesus as the light. It, it establishes Jesus as the source of life and as love incarnate. Uh, First John talks about what it means to be authentic, to be an authentic and true church of Christ. Um, authenticity is really important. Second and third John, he's speaking to specific individuals about how to deal with people who are veering to the left or the right, that are losing that purity. Um, this is what you do. First of all, if somebody's preaching a gospel other than Jesus, somebody's coming all cultic and everything, don't, don't support them. Don't let them stay in your home while they're, they're preaching something other than Jesus and, and how to deal with the centers and things like that. And then Revelation, he writes to churches, and the first thing he does is try to repurify them. You know, some have, uh, Ephesus for one, has maintained their integrity of teaching and not tolerating poor teaching or poor manners, or but they kind of veered from their first love. They, they've, they, they've 
remembered kind of the truth part, but they've lost the purity. So in a sense, they've lost that truth. Um, and Laodicea is way out there. They just got, they got no fire left. So he's, he gets them to come back to the truth and the true way of living and their authenticity in Christ through love and life and truth and light. And then says this is in preparation for Christ's return. We, we want to make sure we're prepared for this thing that's happening. So, But it really is all about authenticity. It's very important. Authenticity to John uh, is really three words for truth that's used, that are used most in the New Testament. One is aletheia. That's my daughter's name. So I love this word. It means not hidden. It's about the nature of truth. It is the one that's it's the word that's most used for truth. Then there's amen, which translated usually means amen. <laughs> Literally, it means truly. It's an emphasis. We use amen at the end of our prayers. Uh, if you look in the Bible, sometimes it's the middle of prayers, or the beginning of prayers. Uh, a lot of times when you hear Jesus saying, truly I say to you, that word is amen. So sometimes in scripture you see amen. That means truth, or it means I agree. Or, you know, we say that now. Somebody will say something really good, and we'll go, truth! That's, we're not, we're not the first people to do that. Amen is what they're saying, truth! So, sometimes it says amen, sometimes it says truly, sometimes it says I tell you the truth. But that, that word is a word for truth. And then there's krateo, which means basically integrity. It means to hold true. Sometimes you'll see in scripture, hold true to what you've been saying, or stay true to this. Hold fast. So depending on your translation, sometimes the word truth in itself doesn't show up, but it's truly, or amen, or hold fast, or sometimes it might even have something about a revelation. Well, heck, a whole book is written called Revelation, you know? So uh, the reason I'm saying this is um, one of these forms of one of these three words shows up in 12 of the 22 chapters of Revelation. And the ones where it doesn't show up, it's talking about, it's actually revealing. So there, he's speaking truth, he's just not saying the word truth. Uh, it appears in all but, one of these three words appear in all but three chapters of John. Um, and I can tell you what three chapters they are. One chapter, Jesus is cleansing the temple, so he's upset that people aren't true. One chapter, he's um, getting a man's, he gave a man his sight back, and people are questioning his truth and his integrity. And one of those other chapters, uh, he raises Lazarus from the dead. So he proves that he's the true Savior and Messiah. So even those words aren't even in there. There's still a theme of that in those. Chapter First uh, John, Second John, and Third John, truth appears at least once in every single chapter of all of those books. So all this to say, truth matters to John, integrity matters to John. And there is power in purity. Our society would not tell us that. They would say lie. They they think of people sometimes, sometimes we're told we're kind of, you know, pansy, girly, girly. First of all, there's nothing wrong with being girly if you're a girly girl. Um, but they, they see us as almost, um, for men, it would almost be emasculating to just tell the truth um, and to just live by the truth. And that, that's just not true. That's an ungodly belief. Truth is power. Truth, purity and truth are powerful. Powerful. And they bring with them a lot. So what is what is truth? You know, it's funny. In John, John 18.38, Pilate, who's you know, the Roman governor, says, what is truth? Uh, but if you go back a chapter in John 17.7, 7, Jesus answers the question before he even sees Pilate to ask it. Your word is truth. 
by word, that's Jesus. But it's also the Bible. It's both. They're both revelations of God's word. It's God incarnate and God in scripture, you know, God in word. And so what is truth? This is, I, you know, I like stories. I love stories. I normally tell stories. Um, but as I think of truth, it's not so much about a story unless it's, I mean, the whole Bible is the story of truth revealed and discerned and sought for and found and um, sometimes lost uh, or given up. But in this case, uh, John really talks about some ingredients for truth. What is ingredient about being an authentic Christian? Um, first of all, he talks about... I'm going to turn this page and get this right. Um, he talks about uh, it being grounded in who Christ is. Um, it's, it's grounded... It, Jesus is the center of everything. He talks about love for God and others. In 1 John 2, um, he says you can't hate your brother and love God. That, that's not possible. Uh, if you love God, you have to love one another. He says love one another a lot. Jesus, John quotes Jesus as saying, love one another as I have loved you. It's a new command, but it's the oldest command in Scripture all at the same time. Um, and within this love... It's a love for God and a love for humans that put everything else in its place. Um, so those loves for uh, John 2, 15 through 18 talks about this. Love for the flesh, love for the things of life, lust, all of that, that's put in a, it, its perspective, which is usually bad. You know, a lot of times we have to get rid of, almost always we have to get rid of these earthly desires um, or we usually we're talking about earthly desires that get in the way of our godly love. Uh, and so we got we got to take that out. Um, there's a humility in authenticity, and there's also a confession. That doesn't mean we devalue ourselves. It means we understand who we are and whose we are. It means that we're willing to say that we've sinned. And that we have weakness and willing to confess when we have that weakness. First uh, John 8 and 9. We, first John, I'm sorry. 1, 8 and 9. We need to confess our sins. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And will purify us from all unrighteousness. So that's a huge, a huge thing. We need to confess our sins. Uh, we need to remember that we're not God. And we need to constantly be lifting up God. So we have um, just a love for God and others. We have a witness that testifies to who Christ is and our humility in light of that. Uh, confession and witness really go together. It's very hard for people to see Christ when you're lifted so high you're standing in front of him, you know? When you keep talking about, look at me, look at me, look at everything I've done. It's hard for people to see Christ. Sometimes as we, in terms of, in addition to cleansing our own spirit and attention to just that integrity, we uh, lift up God more when people can see, hey, I really made a mistake. And we see God's grace at work in our weakness. And others see God's work at we grace at work in our weakness. 
um, in addition to just being the right thing to do and endearing and building a community, it lifts God up more. And the more God is lifted up, the, the higher we become because then he draws us to him. We can't lift ourselves up. We'll fall. But God allows us to lift him. Not that God, It's not that God can't lift himself up. He can do whatever he wants. But when we participate in that uplifting and the worship and the exalting of God, he will draw us to him. So the more really we put ourselves down and put God up, the higher we get. Uh, and finally, there's this consistent, obedient faith. That doesn't mean we don't mess up. Um, but it says in 1 John 3, 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He can't go on sinning. So if we truly are filled with the love of God, we're not going to be in open rebellion against him. Now that's hard because I don't... I It's above my pay grade or any human being's pay grade to point to a person and say, okay, your heart's turned right now. I can tell you if you are in perpetual, I think we could probably take a couple of guesses about some people who were in open rebellion, people who openly say, I'm against God, I hate God, I hate God. It's it's not usually that easy. Um, I, I can't tell you at what point, how far do I have to stray away from God before I'm out of grace. Or I, I That is not, I, I, no, I'm not going there. I will tell you, though, the more we obey, the better off we are. The more we obey with a heart, not of pride, not of self-reliance, but a heart of humility that says, God, it's you and me. It's you in me. And the more we do that out of a gratitude, out of response um, and in freedom, the happier we are. Because God's will is not just a set of rules that to dictate and and control us. God's rule is about what's best for us. God's will is about what's best for us. So the more we do God's will, the better off we are. Um, and this is how. If we walk this way, if we walk in authenticity, if we walk in obedience, if we walk in constant witness of who God is and humility of our place beneath the King of Kings, but as part of that court, um, if we walk in a love for God that puts our desire for other things in their proper place and our love for each other, uh, we receive anything we ask for. First John 5 says that. This is the confidence we have before God, that if we have ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, no matter what we ask, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked in him. That is First John 5. 14 and 15. So we get whatever we ask. We get, I'm going to get this if I can remember. We get forgiveness. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just read that, 1 John 1, 9. We get fellowship. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. That's 1 John 5, 1, 5 to 7. Um, and we get freedom. We don't have to be in fear anymore because we know according to 1 John 4, 7, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We're not perfect love. Christ is perfect love. So if we walk in a way that opens up our channels for Christ to be in us, the more Christ is in us, the less fear can live us because if we're complete in Christ, there's no room left for fear. 
so I just threw a lot of data at you. <laughs> I don't usually like this. It's like I gave you a very complicated recipe for authentic living. I gave you that as somebody who's still figuring out the recipe for each one of these areas. It's something I have to go back to every day, and sometimes I forget to go back to every day. This is a process. We are a people in process. I do not always worship God the way I should. I do not always confess my sins the way I should. I do get proud. I do dig my heels in. Usually, the angrier I get at someone else, the less surrendered I am, personally. I try to be obedient. There are times when I make mistakes. There are times where I would have to say, even willfully, I go, I know I'm supposed to be nice to that person, but no thank you, I'm going to walk away. You know, I, I, I try not to do that, I, but the, I mistake, I make mistakes, you know. Um, and there's a time from where I love you and for my husband, sometimes I struggle because there's something I really want to do that I think will make my husband feel good, but God's saying do something else. Or there's something that will make my daughter more comfortable, but God's saying let her get through it. You know, so... This is something I'm always still working on, and we are all still working on, but there is so much joy in the journey. Uh, and I can tell you personally, I have been delivered from fear over and over and over again as I seek God. I have known that freedom of asking something from God and knowing that I ask according to His will. I don't even have to wonder if He's going to give it to me. I look forward to seeing how it will be granted because God wants us to ask for the things he wants to give us. We can't name it and claim it, but if God names it, we can claim it. I have enjoyed sweet fellowship with others who are of a mind to love Christ. And I tell you, living for God, living in authenticity, there is nothing like it. I don't know why as human beings we keep stepping back from it. Even the ones with the best intentions. But... Uh, I'll tell you, I must have been made for this lifestyle. My mother named me Karen. Karen means purity. I named my daughter Alethea. Alethea means truth. And really, the real name for purity and truth is Jesus. And no matter how far you think you're from him, he is a breath away. He is your breath. Just ask. And no matter how close we think we are to him, I mean, he's a breath. But there's always something more. I just encourage you to keep doing that daily foot washing. Lord Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for being our truth. Thank you for being our light and our love. Thank you for the gospel of John and for the letters of John. Thank you that we can even our return. John started within the beginning was the word and he ended with eternity, God. And you are the beginning and the end. Um, Lord, just be with us. If there's someone out there who's feeling like they've fallen so short of you, Lord, just... You're their righteousness. Help them to see that you're their righteousness. Help them to call out to you and forgive, Lord Jesus. And if there's anyone who's like living like Laodicea, John, talk to them in this comfortable uncomfort, this complacency, Lord. Stir them up. Stir up their hearts. Stir up my heart today. You know, test me. If there's something that's unpure in me, let me know, Lord. Because I want to serve you more. And selfishly, I want your best, and I know your best comes your best for me comes when I give my best to you. It's an awesome investment. Uh, bless us all and uh, be blessed in what we do for you today. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends.